Amen, amen. Have your Bibles turned to Mark chapter 7 this morning, Mark chapter 7. Just by way of introducing me, again, singer-songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. Not originally from Nashville. In fact, I have not really met too many people who are actually from Nashville. Most people moved there from somewhere else. Are you somebody actually from Nashville? You're actually from Nashville. There's actually a couple of people who are here from Nashville. This is incredible. This is crazy. So uh, most people are not from Nashville, but they moved there, obviously, for the music industry, uh, Christian music industry, or country music industry, or just music industry in general. We moved there. My wife and kids who are here represented over there, Kelly, Jasmine, and Justin. Uh, we moved there about eight years ago, and uh, we've been in Nashville writing songs, doing music, and then traveling around the world until the last couple of months. Something changed. I don't know what it was, but for some reason, people stopped calling me to come to their churches. Well, obviously, you know that the, the world has changed dramatically in the last few months uh, with COVID and then some of our social unrest. It's a time of unprecedented, perhaps, upheaval, not just on the national scene, but on the world scene. And so that's kind of upended travel for a lot of different people. And it's kind of changed the life of music artists like myself, who are usually going to places and playing concerts. Now those are more online concerts. And you can see some examples where I've done that over the past couple of months and then doing some smaller engagements. And so that's kind of been life for all of us, having to readjust and having to reconfigure our lives to meet the challenges of the day. We do that in a variety of different ways. And I believe this morning that Mark is going to help point us to a way forward, to a forward trajectory that is going to help us in our lives, not just in the past, but in the present and also in the future. And so as we turn to Mark chapter 7, I believe we have some notes that are going to go up there on the screen here. Title of the message is, It's All Good. It's All Good. Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Now, what I want to do this morning, and I don't know if the notes can be configured this way, but if we could all stand for the reading of God's Word, we'll read that, and then uh, we'll hear from the Holy Spirit in that, and then we'll pray and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to give me something to say, and as I told someone earlier this week. I'm going to talk about Jesus, share the gospel, and then let's go to lunch. So they said, you must be a Baptist. I said, you got it. The reading of God's word in Mark chapter 7, verse 31 reads, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looked up to heaven, he sighed and said, Epaphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here among us this morning. Lord, if we were just here doing functions, doing activities, and the Holy Spirit wasn't here with us, then we would have wasted a great deal of our time. In fact, Paul would tell us that if we are not animated by the hope of the resurrection, then we are of most people to be pitied. But the resurrection is true. 
the atoning blood of Christ is sufficient. The power of the Holy Spirit as you animate your people is available. So help us this morning to see, to hear, to respond, and to love you. Guide me as I seek to give application and understanding. Guide us all as we seek to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, while we have a few moments in Mark, by way of introduction, Mark is careful to present to us the Jesus who is the world's preacher. The Jewish mission that is found in some of the other Gospels and Gospel writers is expounded upon in Mark as he gives us an understanding of the Gentile world. When you read the genealogies in Matthew and you read some of the context and the commentary of the book of Luke, you find that it is uniquely fitted to a Jewish audience that would have understood the customs and some of the ceremonies and symbols of the Old Testament that had been given to the Jews. Mark takes a different trajectory because he's writing primarily through the eyewitness accounts of Peter. He is giving to the Gentile audience an understanding of the fact that Jesus is now the world's preacher not just one who has been localized and set aside specifically for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Jesus has a mission and Jesus has a word that we are to hear and that we are to receive. In fact, Mark gives us a sense of Jesus's ever-present, ever-moving ministry as he proclaims the kingdom of God and as he preaches the glory of God, Jesus is on the go, Jesus is moving, and the Gentile audience is taking note even of this Jewish carpenter, this Jewish teacher, this Jewish preacher. Mark shows us particularly the kingdom focus of Jesus. He is God Almighty, and Mark's gospel shows the compassionate King Jesus, the servant King Jesus. And then it leads us to a response. You know, it's interesting when you're studying the gospel of Mark, you see Jesus highlighted before us all. And then you begin to see the response of the crowd around Jesus. And then you begin to see the disciples. And this exchange between all of those different audiences is what we see this morning when we come to Mark chapter 7. The responses of many people to Jesus were some believed, some doubted, some hated, some loved Jesus. And I would say that that response perhaps is even true for the audience that is watching and for the audience that is in this room this morning. Our response here, there are some who believe, there are some who perhaps are on the fence and not quite sure about Jesus. There are some that perhaps doubt this morning, and there are others that are ready to give their lives in response. And so quickly, by way of summarizing all that I'm going to say this morning, I want to start by these words. Jesus is amazing. It goes out of his way to compassionately demonstrate the glory of the kingdom of God. Jesus is amazing. It goes out of his way to compassionately demonstrate the glory of the kingdom of God. First outline point, seeing Jesus on mission should encourage us. Can we get that on the screen? Yes. Seeing Jesus on mission should encourage us. As we begin to see the, the path of Jesus, as we begin to see the ministry of Jesus unfold to the Gentile world, this should encourage us and it should give us emphasis to our lives and how we respond to Jesus. Look again at verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon 
to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. Commentators, some at least, are puzzled by this experience of Jesus. There are many who perhaps have even doubted that Mark could actually be a writer of this gospel because of that text right there. Jesus is traveling through Tyre, he's traveling through Sidon, and he goes to the region of the Decapolis. Now, I put a map up here for you to see. It may be a little bit small, but let me illustrate what's going on here. In the ancient Near Eastern world, you have up at the top left-hand corner there, Phoenicia, which would have been Gentile areas where Tyre, as you can see at the top, and Sidon would have been located. And Jesus, as he travels down from those regions, is headed obviously through Galilee, we believe through Samaria, and on his way to speak to a Jewish audience at Jerusalem. Now, he takes an unusual detour, and many commentators have commented on the fact that Jesus goes out of his way to go into this region that is called the Decapolis that is there over to the right of the screen. Why in the world is Jesus going through the Decapolis? Did Jesus or did the writer of Mark not have an understanding of the fact that the shortest way to get to Jerusalem was just a straight line and to go straight south? It would be, as some commentators have noted, that Jesus is going from New York to Chicago by way of Boston. Jesus goes out of his way to interact with this audience in the Decapolis, the Deca, which is 10 Polis, which is city, these 10 cities that were located in the Decapolis is where Jesus found himself during this unique story. The Gospel of Mark is the only gospel writer that records this instance. You won't find this in Luke, you won't find it in Matthew, and you won't find it in John. Mark uniquely goes out of his way to present to us this somewhat of a detour in the ministry and the life of Jesus. We learn something about Jesus by asking these questions. Why is Jesus going out of his way? And in just a few moments, you'll find out again that Jesus compassionately goes out of his way because the Gentile audience is just as important to him as the Jewish audience that he began to perform these miracles to verify the kingdom of God and that he began to express his love, not just for the Jewish people, but for the Gentile people. And as I had already said this morning, Jesus is the world's preacher. Somebody needs to hear me this morning because there's a lot of voices that are out there and there's a lot of commentary that's out there. And there's commentary for this segment of the population and commentary for this segment of the population. What I've come to do this morning and all I've come here to do this morning is to tell you that for everybody out there, Jesus has a word and Jesus has a message for you this morning. I would, for just a few moments, just express as we get into this miracle what life is like for those that are hearing impaired, the deaf and the mute. We have an illustration up there, I think, that a picture that will help us just kind of see all of the different things that may have been going on in this, this man's mind, in this man's heart, this man's life and circumstances. He was apparently not born deaf and mute, but undoubtedly became that way. At some point, we don't know the story It's not unfolded to us to have those kind of details, but he is able to audibly speak, but you can't understand what he's saying. He's got some ability of articulation, but because of his infirmity, he is not able to articulate in any way that we can understand. I read a couple of accounts as I was preparing this week of those who are mute, those who are hearing impaired or or deaf, And their responses were startling. One person said, I am mute. And it's so frustrating when I want to talk, but I can't. If you can imagine that 
sort of pent-up tension and frustration as one wants to articulate something but just simply is not able to do that. Another writes this, the amount of people who scream at me and tell me, just speak or be normal is really getting to me. Another writes these words, I am mute and slowly beginning to speak one word at a time. And this, perhaps, as I was studying this week, was most enduring, endearing to me as I read these words. Someone said, I have been mute for five years. Today I got adopted and finally told my new mom that I love her. Just to bring us into the world of what is perhaps this man in his infirmity as a real human being who is going through the struggles, the tensions, and the tribulations of his day. This is a real person who is being brought to Jesus. In verse 31, as we read there, as he goes through this region, as he takes this detour, as he goes out of his way to impact this man's life, we say these words in verse 32, and they brought him a man who was deaf. Who brought him? They? Later on in the verse, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Wait a minute. Who are they? And perhaps we're stirred to ask the question, who are these individuals who are going out of their way to bring this man to Jesus? And who is this man? We read all throughout Scripture the names of people who Jesus has healed, who Jesus interacted with. We have their names. We have their testimony. But Mark doesn't do that for his Gentile audience. Mark seems to leave these names silent and these people silent. And I believe that he is doing something that is extremely important for us this morning for us to recognize these people, whoever they are, who brought this man, whoever he is, and then they parakalusine is the word in Greek, which means they beseeched him or they begged him to touch this man. You see, there's a drama that is unfolding here, and it is none other than the fact that these unnamed individuals who are bringing this unnamed individual to Jesus are beseeching him to do what only Jesus can do. The only one who is named here and the only one who has preeminence in this story is Jesus. For you and I who are here today, Oklahoma City, Nashville, wherever we might find ourselves to the audience that's watching, for you and I who are here this morning to recognize that at our very best, we are those who simply bring others to Jesus. We bring people to Jesus. The ministry of Jesus and watching the ministry of Jesus should encourage us, not so that we can have our name in lights, not so that we can be recognized and honored, not so that we can have buildings and things named after us because of our great service, but we are only people who have done what is required and that is to bring people to Jesus. To bring people who are broken to Jesus. To bring those who are affirmed and infirmed to Jesus. People who are anonymous bring people to Jesus, and that's who we are this morning. People who are anonymous bring people who are broken to Jesus, and that's who we are this morning. But I would ask, Are we associated with the broken people of our world? 
Are we bringing people who are broken to Jesus this morning? You see, it's, and it would have been probably far more convenient for them to just let Jesus do what he's going to do and not go through the effort or the trouble to bring this man, who I'm quite sure had some difficulty even understanding what they were doing, to Jesus. And I'm quite sure for us this morning that with all the things that are going on in our lives, all the upheaval that has taken place in our world, it's sometimes inconvenient and I would say difficult for us to be bringing people to Jesus. We have to figure out how to do that. We have to figure out, do we wear a mask? How how do we get them? How do we get them in position? Are they going to watch on the screen? What do we do to get people to Jesus? But I would say for all of us anonymous and unnamed people who are out there, our mission is encouraged and enthused by watching the mission of Jesus as he goes out of his way to compassionately touch one who is hurting. My prayer and my encouragement, my challenge this morning is that we would be the same type of people who understand our mission the same as Jesus' mission to go and to touch those who are hurting. Jesus' miracle should challenge us. Jesus' miracle should challenge us. Verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, He put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Verse 33, we see Jesus doing a private miracle. Jesus taking this man aside from the crowd, and that's going to come into play here a little bit later as we see that Jesus is not wanting to make a spectacle of a ministry and a carnival of his ministry. He takes this man privately and performs this miracle. Jesus has the ability, would you agree this morning, to just speak from some remote place and just say, okay, heal, and that this man would have been healed. Do we all agree upon that this morning? That Jesus does have the power. He doesn't have to single this man out of the crowd and then bring him to a private place and then relate to him privately. In fact, we know that he walked through crowds and there were people who just touched the fringe of his garment and they were healed of their infirmities. Jesus could have just spoken and said, if there's anybody out there who has a deafness or any type of infirmity, be healed. They would have been healed, but so far removed from the spectacle that we often see on television is this miracle that we see Jesus performing in this text. Jesus not performing some type of carnival trick for the people to say, healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. Now, give me some money. And I actually meant that for all those people who are watching who do that sort of thing. Jesus compassionately takes this man aside and begins to relate to this man. Look at what it says in the text. He puts his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touches the man's tongue. And he looks into heaven in verse 34, and he sighed and said to him, Apophatha, that is, be open. Why does he do this? Is this prescriptive of some type of formula that we're supposed to be using as we interact with people who are hurting and people who are somehow lame? Or is this descriptive of a particular instance in which Jesus has compassionate care for someone privately bringing them aside, and then here's the key, 
touching them in the precise areas of their need and their weakness. He does this, he prays as he looks to heaven. So it would have been undeniable that the connection between Jesus and the Father is being made as a result of him looking to heaven and praying and then sighing. That is a very important word here because it gives us an understanding of the emotional and compassionate nature of Jesus. As we had said before and as we have agreed and as we have read in other places in Scripture, Jesus could have remotely or just sort of at a scan done a healing and it would have been no less effective. And yet he does, and what is a beautiful picture of condescending to this man's need, reaches to him in the precise areas of how he's going to heal this man. The connection between Jesus and God the Father is made here and Mark unpacks this for his Jewish or his Gentile readers when he explains the word apathetha, which is be opened. The word that is found in verse 32 to describe this man's condition is one that we should take note of, this deaf man, this broken condition of one. It is a word, megalon, Megalon, it's the deaf condition of the man in verse 32. You say, why is that important? As we think about who Jesus is and what it is that he's doing, why this word in this particular text? As I said before, nowhere else in the Gospels is that this text even recorded. But nowhere else in the Gospels, and in fact, nowhere else in the New Testament, is that word megalelon, or leo, which is to speak. He does a super miracle here in reference to this man, Nowhere else in the New Testament is that word actually found. If you were to go back into the Old Testament, into the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that word is only found one time. So one time in the Old Testament, one time in the New Testament is that word found, and I believe the connection couldn't be any more profound. It is essentially found in Isaiah chapter 35 in reference to the coming Messiah. Now, when you find things like this in Scripture, not only is it a verification of the kingship, of the majesty, of the Messiah nature of who Jesus is, but it is a direct parallel between what the Old Testament prophets are preaching and then what we come to understand of the ministry of Jesus in the New Testament. I believe we have Isaiah chapter 35 prepared for you on the screen. In Isaiah 35, these words are proclaimed in the Old Testament in reference to the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And Isaiah goes on to explore and to explain who the Messiah is going to be in reference to his ministry of opening up ears and opening up mouths and allowing those whose lives have been radically changed to be able to sing for joy about who God is. Now, I ask you this question before this morning. Why are we singing so much about the blood of Jesus? Why are we singing so much about the redemption of Jesus? It is precisely because in Jesus, there is healing eternally from the wages of our sin. 
We recognize that from Scripture, it teaches us that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Once our lives, once our mouths have been opened up, we cannot help but sing about King Jesus. We cannot help but sing about the redemption of our Lord and Savior. Our mouths are not stopped, and so we sing for joy about what Christ has done. Listen to me this morning. If you are here, your greatest infirmity is not the ailment of our bodies, but the ailment of our souls. The brokenness of our souls and whom Jesus comes to touch those very areas of our life. He touches this man in a circumstance of his ears and his mouth. But listen, if he had just done that, if it had just been a carnival and Jesus had just done a physical miracle, this man would have ultimately died and not been redeemed. The greatest thing that takes place here and the greatest thing that we are to understand is the redemption of our souls. When the Messiah comes, he is going to redeem. Now, my question to you this morning, is that your story? Is that your story? That your mouth was shut in reference to Jesus. That there was a time in your life in which you would not sing, you would not speak, you didn't even care who Jesus was. And that Jesus came and did the greatest miracle in the transformation of your heart, and now you sing, and now you have joy, and now you proclaim what God has done. Now you bring others to, to Christ because of what he has done in your life. I ask you this morning, is that your story? Is that your story? Because that is Jesus, and that is what he does.